So this is E3, and we're going through a series, uh, Summer on the Mount, where we are taking the summer to go through the Sermon on the Mount, which for a lot of people is really difficult, and I understand that it's difficult for me because this is the highest level of teaching that, that Jesus has, and he, he really uh, separates what it means to relentlessly pursue him and, and, and states the ideal. And the ideal of God is very, very hard because all of us have fallen and fallen short of God's ideal, of his glorious standard. So we're set, set with this kind of, well, here's the ideal and here I am. And in trying to partner with people who uh, are going to encourage us to move toward that ideal and not to give up. So we've been looking at these different things as, uh, through the weeks, and today, or today we are going to be looking at promises and vows and letting our yeses be yes and our noes be no. And this is a really, really difficult one. But really, I believe uh, in, in a very real sense, it all begins and ends for us as we are navigating through this life, through this journey of faith with this idea of promises, what God has promised us, how we deal with promises. It all wraps around in this relational understanding of can we trust one another? Can we trust God? Uh, in my second book, uh, The Six Symbols of the Gospel, I, re I tell a story about my daughter. Uh, and I, my, my daughter has a heightened sense of, of promises, either implied or explicit. And I retell this story about this one time where we had promised her something, but through circumstances outside of our, our control that, that she... Um, uh, we couldn't do it, so I went with great bravery to my daughter and and explained to her, honey, you know, we're not going to be able to do it in the timeline or whatever, that, that we thought we were going to do it, and she flipped out. And and I remember, like, listening to her, and I, at, at a, I, got, I came to a point of frustration when I always do my best parenting. And I gently take her by her shoulders and I square up with her, look her in the eyes. I said, listen, my daughter, I promise that I will never promise you another thing as long as you or I live, either implicit or, exp or uh, explicit, that, that from this point forward, all things are subject to change. And it's, it's kind of funny because next week, uh, I think I'm coming up with my, my last promise to her uh, that I need to fulfill, you know, that was made before that, that mark. And, and uh, I promised her when she was 14 years old, she just graduated from high school. We were visiting some, uh, uh, watching some friends in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, do the Ironman. And uh, for those of you who don't know what Ironman is, it's a 2.4 mile swim, 112-mile bike, and a 26.2-mile run just to top it all off. And so she's 14 years old, and we're watching our friends do it. And she turns to me and says, Daddy, when I graduate from high school, will you do this with me? And I said, of course, sweet schnookums. <laughs> well, that's next weekend. Uh, so Tuesday, uh, uh, we, are, we are going. And actually, I was thinking about it. I told the 
the 9 a.m. gathering. At 9 a.m., the 9 a.m. gathering, right when they're uh, playing the first note for the walk-in song, Madison, my daughter, and I will be going into the water for, for our, our long journey. And uh, she's really excited. Well, <laughs> and that's, that, that's what matters. Uh, but... The, but that's what we, uh, you know, we're talking about. I mean, that, that relationally, our, our word is our bond. And, and when we break that, our word, we break our bond with people. And not bond in the, in the sense of, of slavery but, or imprisonment, but bond is, is something that, that puts, brings us together and holds us together that promises are the glue. So if you'll open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, verse 33. And while you're doing that, I'm going to move this speaker because I'm going to trip over it and fall off the stage. So whoever's wedge that is, sorry. All right. So Jesus continues and says, you have also heard that our ancestors were told, you must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. Now, what Jesus is referring here uh, is to numbers when Moses came to the tribes and the leaders of Israel, and he told them this, a man who makes a vow to the Lord or makes a pledge under oath must never break it. He must do exactly what he said he would do. All right, so very, very clear. And We'll get more into it, but, but this idea of God's promises to us and those of us who carry his name, the Israelites who are children of God, those of us who are Christians carrying the name of Christ, that this is a real uh, uh, issue and that, that, that we can end up disrupting uh, the future and the eternity and plan of God when we do not have integrity of these things. So going back to Jesus in verse 34, he says, but I say, do not make vows. Do not say by heaven, because heaven is God's throne. And do not say by earth, because the earth is his footstool. And do not say by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of a great king. Do not even say by my head, for you cannot turn one hair white or black. Just say a simple, yes, I will, will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. So let your yes be yes and not be yes, right? Let your yes be yes and your no's be no. And anything beyond this is from the evil one. And, you know, you can look at this in two different ways. You can think, okay, Jesus is being very literal here. And say, never make a promise. Never make a vow. And that's one way to look at it. And for those of us who've been married, you know, we make vows, right? You know, till death do our part. And we, we make promises to our children, to each other, and, and things like that. So uh, we're either all in jeopardy and doing the wrong thing. Or maybe Jesus was using hyperbole here and actually speaking of a much larger thing instead of just an external action, but actually uh, uh, somebody's integrity and their character. 
And I, I tend to believe that it's the latter, that, that Jesus is talking about something much larger, and he's trying to say, this is really, really important. And this, this your word should not be taken lightly. So I was thinking about this this week and, and thinking about different times that promises were broken to me and different times that I've broken promises. And I wanted to ask you guys, uh, what are some reasons that you think that people actually break promises? What are some reasons that people break promises? Why? What are some common excuses? Financial circumstances change. Anger. Anger. Time, selfishness, bitter root of, of resentment or resentment, lack of commitment, other, so retaliation, others breaking their promises to you. Now, as I was reading, I, and I was reading some uh, psychology articles about this, just kind of wondering what, what psychologists say, and they actually say that primarily it's, it, it comes to two things, being a people pleaser and being passive aggressive. Uh, basically, we, we commit to things because we want to make the other person happy, but we don't really think about the, the, the consequences and the price it's going to cost us. And that can, that can hurt that relationship. And the other side, passive-aggressive, is that we break promises because we don't like to be controlled. And we feel like, you know what, I've, I've made this promise, but this person is, is taking it in a way that I didn't intend it, and I'm feeling controlled, so I'm going to break this, break this promise, and, and it's a way of gaining back control. The hard thing is, those of us who are followers of Christ, those of us who, who carry the name of Jesus, uh, Christians, that we are called to a much, much higher standard, that, that, that this cost is very, very expensive when we make a vow. And when we break it, the repercussions are great and, and actually go outside of just us and that person, but it impacts everyone, and, that's, and it impacts God and His reputation, and that becomes really, really sensitive. And I wanted to share with you five reasons why Christians must keep their word. And the first one is that we are ambassadors of God. We are ambassadors of God, and when we are not good ambassadors, when we, uh, when we do things in carrying Christ's name, when we do things that, that are opposed to Christ's teaching, that, that as an ambassador, that reflects poorly on our Father in heaven. One of the conversations that I, I have a lot with my children is, is about our family, about our name. And I say, when you go out and, and you're at school or you're at sporting events or you're, you know, at, at a social event or, or something like that, you don't just carry the name Madison or Boo, but you carry our family name, McNeese. And how you act and how you conduct yourself reflects back on us as parents and your grandparents and, and, and our whole family. And 
you know, and I think they get that to a point. And I also say, you know what, when you're out, that, that you also carry the name of Christ, that you are Christians. And your actions reflect on who God is and, and, and how you relate with Him. Because you are ambassadors for my children's sake and my sake that, that I'm not only an ambassador of Christ, I'm also an ambassador of my family. And I remember when I was a young man and I would do things that were outside of my family's values. That, uh, and I remember having interactions and hearing things that, that people would say, Obvi- obviously, you know, there's a parenting issue or he wouldn't be behaving that way, or they, they should discipline that child. And, and it was really interesting to me once I became a parent, not then, that, that how people deflected my behavior onto my family, right? That, that, that I, you know, the lie that we tell us that I'm only hurting myself is just that, it's a lie. That, that when... You know, we are given a name, a family name, and we are adopted by, by our Heavenly Father and given the name Christian, that when we lie or cheat or break our promises or we do not conduct ourselves in the way of our family or our Father in Heaven, that, you know what, we're hurting, every, we're hurting everyone who carries that name and the, the giver of that name. You know, I, Joe, Joe, and Joe, the drummer, <laughs> uh, his father's here, his name's Joe, and, the, and the, their newborn son, eight weeks old, is Joe. So poor, poor third Joe has it double. It's the first name and the, and the last name. So I don't know where Joe is, but Joe, 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 there you go, there you go. You guys got it, got it going on there. So, Paul writes about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. And if we are not worthy ambassadors, when we are not, and the ambassador's job is to reflect the values of the Father, that, that we are doing our Father, our family, or God's family a disservice. The second thing is integrity. Integrity and following through on your word and God's word is inseparably linked. You can't separate the two. If you are not trustworthy, people may, uh, may, you know, you may be the only Bible somebody ever reads. You've heard that? Or you may be the only church that they ever go to. And so you as the ambassador that, that if you carry the name Christian, follower of Christ, that, that your word, your promises are, are inseparably linked to God's promises and God's words. And it's a high calling. Again, this is not beginning Christianity here. This is, this is advanced kind of stuff. This is the kind of stuff where you have to sacrifice to yourself and say, you know what, my life is not my own. I am about my father's business. And integrity is of, of great importance to God. It may not be of great importance to man, but is in great importance to God. And, and he demands 
integrity, and, and he, he uh, demonstrates integrity. Have you ever gone to the supermarket and you got like this jumbo value size kind of box of, you know, crunchy yummies or something, right? It's massive. And you get home and you open it up and the first thing you see is half the box is sectioned off by like some cardboard filler. Yeah? Yeah, okay, okay. Bueller. Bueller. And then the other half is like, like a little bit of crunchy goodness in a whole big airbag, right? So out of this huge box, you get this little kind of thing. And what do you, what do you think? You feel gypped because of the lack of integrity. Well, God doesn't do that. Like, when was the last time you got home with some yummy bananas and you opened up the banana... And there's just a little tiny banana in there. <laughs> right? Never. With God, there's integrity. Or what about, you know those little corn on the cobs that they put in salad? Have you ever husked a big old corn and got one of those little corn on the cobs? Never. Why? God has integrity. One more, just because I, this is kind of a confessional. I'm kind of proud of it, though. So I ate a whole watermelon yesterday. <laughs> All right. I'm just going to get it out there. I, I, I have no excuse except I did, I did ride 80 miles on my bike. I got home and it was blazing hot and there was a watermelon in the refrigerator. And I'm like, I'm going to have a little bit because I'm hot and watermelon. I need water and all that kind of stuff. So I took a slice. It was so good. So I took another slice. And then I, I seriously, like in one sitting, ate almost half of it. And then I put it back in the refrigerator. Well, throughout the day, I kept on going back and taking one more slice and one more slice. And, and then it got to the evening. I was about to go to bed. And there was just this, like the, the, the bottom part. And there's a little bit left. And I'm like, you know what? How many people can say they ate a whole watermelon in one day? <laughs> well, this one can <laughs> But you know what? I didn't slice over that, open that watermelon, and there was a tiny little red bit of yummy, watery goodness in there. No, it was full. Why? God has integrity, and marketers don't. There we go. So that's point number two. Integrity is inseparably linked to our, our God. Number three. If people don't trust your word about earthly matters, then they definitely won't trust you about what you say about the gospel. Yeah, mm, that'll preach, and it's going to, just a second. People, if they don't trust your word about earthly matters, if you say you're going to be somewhere or do something or give something uh, or bring in a project or you're going to help them with, with something and you don't do it and they can't trust you on that, when you want to tell them about the promise of eternal life, they're not going to believe you about that either. And that is a real issue. Um, Paul writes in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 20, For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ 
as I always have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. What Paul is saying is the consequences of him being faithful and, and being a good ambassador is inconsequential. What is important is that, that he brings honor to Jesus in everything that he does. And it's hard because, you know, we want to separate that. Oh, it doesn't matter if I do this, but it does. I, my best friend in high school, um, uh, I mean, we were tight and we did everything together. And then we moved a little uh, bit apart. Uh, uh, I, was, I was going to school up in the valley and he, he was uh, living in Redondo Beach and without traffic, it's about a 35-minute drive, which is not a big deal. Like here, we think, oh, whatever, you know. Uh, but, but traffic can get really bad in, in Los Angeles. So that drive could literally be a couple of hours if traffic's really, really bad. So we would set things up. We used to, I mean, we basically had a, you know, I mean, we did everything together. This is before Shannon and before he was married and everything. And, you know, we were bros and we did everything together. Every Friday night, Saturday night, we hung out and did things. So uh, I remember the first time that, that, that we were, I was expecting him to come up to the valley and he's like, all right, yeah, you know, we're going to go to this club or, or do whatever. And about five minutes before he was meant to be there, he calls and, and, and says, dude, uh, traffic is so bad, I'm turning around and going home. Okay, sounds good. That stinks. We'll catch up with you later. Well, he started to do that, and I started getting that excuse again and again and again. And then one day, I was down there with him, and we were meant to go meet up with somebody and they called, and he says, oh, you know what? I, we were on our way, and the traffic was really bad, and we turned around, and, uh, uh, you know, we can't, we can't come. And I'm like, dude, that's the excuse you give me all the time. And I'm like sitting here with you, and now you've just pulled me into it. And it really hurt our friendship because couldn't trust what he said. Now, go, go a lot of years. Last month, I was at my brother's 50th birthday, and, and uh, my friend was invited. And I was really excited about him being at my brother's 50th birthday party. You know what's coming, don't you? So I'm like, this is awesome that, he, that, that he's going to be there and he doesn't show up, and, and I went to my brother's wife, Tori, and, and, I, and I said, where is he? You know, have you heard from him? She's like, oh, yeah, he called and said he was driving up here. And I'm, I'm telling you the truth. I was driving up here, and the traffic was so bad, I just couldn't make it. I turned around and went home. And I was like, dude is using the same excuse decades later. And... It comes, if you can't trust people with earthly matters, if I can't trust that you're going to come and spend time with me and not make up lame, or at least won't bother to make up a new lame excuse, you know, that, that uh, I'm not going to trust you on bigger things. Number four, following through on a promise shows how much you value the other person. 
Following up on, the prom, on, on a promise shows how much you value the other person. Promises are for what? Anybody? Why do, when, do, when do you give a promise? When keeping it, but respecting it. It's usually something that is outside the ordinary, right? And is going to take some sacrifice. And the person needs a little bit of insurance assurance, right? You make a promise because you want them to know, hey, I'm going to come through with this, right? And like, it wouldn't be a great, you know, a big promise for me to say like, hey guys, I promise you I'm going to walk over to the pillar of truth again and, and look at my notes. Because I can't, I'm going to because I can't remember what number five is. <laughs> so I, that's, not a, that's not a legit promise. I mean, I, I'll promise if you want. I promise I'm going to go over there and look at point five. Before I say point five, I'm going to walk over there. But point four, that it shows how much you value somebody because when you fulfill a promise, it costs. It probably is going to cost. More times than not, it's going to cost. It's going to cost you extra time or money or inconvenience or sweat or, or, or pain or something because that's the nature of promises. We don't promise when it's going to be easy. We promise when we want to assure somebody, hey, I'm going to come through for you. You can count on me, and you will also be able to count on me when things go hard. And when it is hard for me to fulfill this promise, believe me, I am going to fulfill it. And, and this is the very essence of, of uh, the great commandment, the second part of the great commandment is when Jesus in, Matthew, in Mark chapter 12 and verse 31 says, love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandments are as great as these. When we keep promises, we show how much we love somebody because it costs. We show how much we value them. You know, I wouldn't be doing the Ironman next weekend if I didn't make a promise to my daughter because it costs a lot of money. It's costing a lot of time. Is going to cost me a lot of pain. <laughs> but the cost of not fulfilling that promise is far greater than that 140.6 miles. <laughs> Who's counting though, right? Number five, promise fulfilled. I'm here. People do not respect people who do not follow through on their word. True? Because those people are liars. They may have great excuses. Everybody has excuses. Oh, yeah, lots of traffic or this or that. That is not rare or special. We respect people who go beyond, who, who have integrity, who, who have built a foundation in their life that is, that is worth, well, respecting. And... If you do not keep your word, they will not respect you. And if they do not respect you, they will not respect your beliefs, nor should they. And they will not respect what you have to say. Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 13, those who do well as deacons, which means servant, servants, will be rewarded with, res uh, with respect from others and will have increased confidence in their faith in Christ Jesus. And respect is a reward, a, a reward for a, a race well 
run. You don't get respect, you know, by just showing up. That you earn respect, that it, that it is bestowed on you by the character and integrity of your life. And again, those of us who are followers of Christ, we don't have an option to, uh, for any other life than a life full of integrity. Because we chose to carry our Savior's name as a Christian. So, I believe that Jesus is super, super serious about, about this idea of promises and keeping your vows and, and, and what it means for our integrity. That, that without it, I, I said at the beginning, that, that without integrity, without us keeping our word and our vows and, and our promises, that, that we can do irreparable damage to the kingdom and its work. Because if people can't trust what we say, what they can verify, they definitely will not listen and respect and listen to what we have to say about eternal things. Now, I want to share a story to close uh, out of Acts, mostly because it's, I mean, it has to do with promises, but it's so wonderfully bizarre. And uh, I think it I think it's one of those things that can really blow up your theological paradigm. And I think it's good when we wrestle with things that are, that are in Scripture. And this is one of those stories that, that you wrestle with. So Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. But there was a certain man named Ananias who, with his wife Sapphira, sold some property. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. Now, verse 4 is critical to this story. The property, this is, this is Peter still speaking, the property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. So the key part of this story, before we get into the real like everything goes crazy, is what? It's his choice. I mean, he's not being compelled. His wife and, and him are not being compelled to sell anything. And even if they did sell it, they were, they were under zero obligation to give any of the money to the ongoing work of the apostles. They offered. They chose to do it. But they, they decided somewhere along the line that, hey, you know what? We're going to hold some back. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Boom! Everyone who heard about it was terrified. I would imagine so. Like, man, did I tie this week? Holy cow. Then some young men got up, wrapped him up in the sheet, and took him out and buried him. Okay. God's serious about promises. Yes, no, not sure. 
All right, yeah, it gets better or worse, depending on who you are, I guess. Verse 7, about three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what happened. This is pre-Twitter. Three hours like forever, right? <laughs> not back then, three hours. This is reasonable. She has no idea. And I, I love Peter's pastoring. Imagine if Peter was your pastor here. Peter asked her, hey, was this the price you and your husband received for the land? No, dude, Sapphira, your husband dropped dead because he lied. No, no, hey, I'm sorry, your, your husband died. No, none of that. Setting her up, entrapment. She says, yes, that was the price. Verse nine, and Peter said, how could you two even think of conspiring to test the Holy Spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door. Oh, thanks, pastor. And they will carry you out too, instantly. So not a slow death, but instantly she fell to the floor and died. Yeah, wow. When the young men, imagine being the young men in that day. When the young men came in and saw that she was dead, she did. <laughs> they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Now, I'm going to let that scramble your brain and like figure out how God and Jesus and all that is. That's not the point why I gave you this story. The story is to preface or to really understand that this thing promises and oaths and vows is very, very serious. And it should not be taken lightly. Because it's not only us it reflects on. It reflects on our earthly family and our, and our church. But worst of all, when we break our promises, that it reflects poorly on our Lord and Savior. And we are to be ambassadors of Jesus in bringing glory to Him forever and ever. Amen. You guys pray with me?